0: Amen. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, and I hope you do, I know that we show you the scriptures on the screen, but I think it's a good thing for you to uh, be in the habit of bringing your own copy of the Word. If you'll turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Last week I uh, talked about the Hyrex, and once again I was just overwhelmed by the number of positive comments I received from uh, a lesson from a little animal tucked away in Proverbs chapter 30, and we talked about the Hyrex. One of the things that we talked about last week is the importance of listening to the right voices. Every day we have a choice. Who are we going to listen to? And the Bible is very clear that we will become like those that we hang out with. If you align yourself with negative critical people you will naturally become negative and critical if you align yourself up with people who are godly who are positive who are optimistic who are hopeful that'll rub off on you as well it's important that we listen to the right voices in our life we learned that last week it's important that we heed the warnings of the bible in our life God has certain do's and don'ts, and the reason is because he loves us so much, he knows that we need to be in alignment with his word that we might enjoy the blessings of God. I want the abundance of God in my life, and I understand when I read the word, those things that say, do not go that direction, do not participate in that, is meant for my own benefit so that I can enjoy the abundance of God. I remember years ago reading about a young man who uh, was on the Italian Riviera in a brand new sports car, and he was driving that sports car along the coastline, and it seemed like a beautiful scenic route. He had lots of horsepower underneath his uh, his hood, and he was just enjoying what seemed to be a path to paradise. But along the way, there were warning signs. He was going so fast he didn't see them, or perhaps he was just enjoying the journey and he ignored them. But they were warning signs that disaster were awaiting him ahead because a landslide had recently created this big uh, uh, precipice there on the highway. No one should have been on the road, particularly in the fashion that he was and the speed that he was traveling and as he ignored all warning signs he actually went straight over the cliff and was killed sometimes you and i get so careless in this path of life that we don't heed the warning signs that come from the scripture that come from godly counsel, that come from that inner voice of the Holy Spirit. And there's other times that we do hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We do see very clearly what is right and wrong in the Scriptures, and yet we just ignore it. That's a dangerous place to be. Jesus talks about how there's only one way to walk. In fact, He says there's only one way that leads to life, and it's a narrow way. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus himself says this. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for the many who will choose it. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few are ever going to find it. So Jesus tells us here on this path of life, we need to be careful because the road is narrow, and we need to heed the warning signs. They're not put there again as a threat to us. They're put there out of love that we might enjoy the abundant life that God has given us. Just like the signs on the Italian Riviera were erected to keep drivers safe, the words of Jesus, the words of the Bible as a whole, are designed to keep us on the path that leads to life. In December of 2018, I introduced a theme for 2019. The Lord gave it to me as I was praying. And the theme was, there are four steps to success in this new year in the last 10 months I have talked about the first three steps this morning's message is the final step which is you and I must point our feet in the right direction Remember, I gave out these bookmarks maybe some of you have them there's a calendar in the back some of these are still available at the welcome center if you want one there's still two months of this year It might help you. But what I really wanted you to understand was the importance of the Word of God in Proverbs chapter 4 that tells us if we want to live successfully, first of all, we have to guard our heart. It's the wellspring of life. Secondly, we need to watch our mouth because we have the power of life and death in our tongue. And we need to fix our eyes. Fix our eyes on Jesus, on his kingdom. And then fourthly, point our feet. let's read the whole passage. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 to 27. This has been our theme scripture for 2019 here at Wenatchee First Assembly. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. And then verse 26 is what I want to talk about today. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get distracted. Keep your feet from following evil. How do we point our feet and make sure we're on the right path? The narrow path that Jesus talks about. And once we're on that path, we have to ask ourselves how do we stay on that path? Well, the first thing that I want to point out today is that you can't wander off into the desert. You can't wander off into the wilderness. You have to point your feet and stay on the path that Jesus has laid out. Now, the desert for you and the desert for me might be different things. Maybe the desert for you is building riches. Or maybe the desert for you might be lustful feelings. Maybe the desert for you Is something totally different than the desert for your spouse or your family members. But we all have these distractions. We all have these wildernesses and these deserts. And we know we need to be on the straight path, but we often wander into the desert, and that's a dangerous place. We need to make sure we stay on God's road to abundant living. There's no better uh, chapter of the Bible that talks about this than the 107th chapter of the book of Psalms. Psalm 107. I want to read the first nine verses. Keep in mind we're talking about pointing our feet in the right direction, about staying on the path, about not wandering into the desert. The Bible says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Praise God. That should always be our theme. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. We sing about that this morning. Even if your prayers aren't answered the way that you want them, even if it seems like God isn't working, we can depend upon the faithfulness. God, he's never failed us, and he won't fail us. We can give thanks to him. Verse 2 says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. (laughs) Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Remember that old chorus we used to sing? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And we would all say so. Man, what's it talking about there? It's just talking about sharing your faith, sharing what God is doing in your life. Man, I spent nine weeks teaching you very practical ways of how to share your faith. Not by standing at the corner of the Avenue and Rondo with a sandwich board that says turn or burn. No, I'm talking about ways that you can just share your story. We spent a lot of time talking about that. Why? Because the Scripture says that if you've been redeemed of the Lord, you need to speak it out. You need to share what God is doing in your life. Tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. Verse 3 says, He has gathered exiles from many different lands, from the east and west and north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness. They got off the path just like you and I have. Lost, homeless, hungry, thirsty, they nearly died. Lord, help! They cried in their trouble. And he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things that he's done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Are you hungry for the things of God this morning? Are you really thirsting after the presence of God in your life? If you're not feeling the presence of God in your life, maybe you need to ask yourself, am I pursuing the presence of God in my life? Oh, he's with you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's there. But are we pursuing? Are we hungry? Are we thirsty? God has great plans for each of us, as individuals, but also as a church. I mean, you cannot improve on God's purpose for your life. You just can't. God created you, knew you while you were in your mother's womb. And he's a good God, and he loves you, and he wants the best for you. He has a wonderful path for you, a wonderful road for you. He's so good. I love the way that Eugene Peterson has paraphrased this particular portion of Scripture as found in the message. He says, Some of you wandered for years in the desert, looking but not finding a good place to live, half-starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. And then, in your desperate condition, you called out to God. He got you out in the nick of time. He put your feet on a wonderful road that took you straight to the good place you live. Have you allowed Jesus to put your feet on that wonderful road where you can experience his blessings? See, the desperate condition here is not just people who haven't accepted Christ. There's many of us in churches today that are in desperate situations because we haven't followed the presence of the holy spirit and he wants you and he wants me to walk in his paths he put us on this wonderful road it takes us to a good place the bible says he doesn't want us wandering over here he doesn't want us wandering over there He wants us on that straight and narrow path where we will enjoy His blessings. Now, the good news is, wherever you find yourself, even if it is in the desert today, even if you've lost your fervor for the Lord, man, I feel so sorry for people who have lived for Jesus for 40 years, but they've lost their excitement. They've lost their passion. All they can see is everything that's wrong. They can't... Feel the presence of God, even though he's there, even though he's, he's with them. They're in a parched place. They're in a wilderness. But if you cry out to the Lord, the Bible says he will hear you. He will answer you. He will satisfy your thirst and your hunger. I love this psalm. Four times in Psalm 107, People are crying out to God for deliverance. Four times they cry out. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Verse 6, verse 13, verse 19, and verse 28. And the cool thing is all four of those are different situations. They describe different stressful times. The first one talks about people who are just wandering. They've left their first love. Or perhaps they've never connected with Jesus before. In 9 o'clock service, I really felt there were people that just needed to connect Jesus for the first time. And praise God, we had four people at the 9 o'clock service that gave their heart to Jesus today. They got on the straight and narrow path. That was the first thing. They were wandering. But then there's those who are prisoners. Maybe prisoners to addictions. Maybe prisoners to your own tradition. Prisoners to the good old days. Prisoners to things that are hindering you from enjoying what God is doing in your life, in the church, in the community, in our world. The third situation that the psalmist describes, are those who are distressed, those who are sick, sick physically, sick emotionally. And then the fourth, in verse 28, talks about the storm-tossed. You know, as long as we live in this world, there's going to be storms. And sometimes we are victims, and we are tossed by the waves and the wind, But we can be assured, no matter what we're going through, no matter which of those four situations we find ourselves in, God can break through and God can help us. In fact, you'll notice in that psalm, each and every time, in all four situations, God not only hears them, God rescues them. Now, I know in a situation like this, there are people who are listening and they're processing and they hear what the Word of God is saying, but they also have an enemy that is trying to condemn them. And I would just want to make it clear right now, you know, it doesn't matter how you got in your wilderness. It doesn't matter how you found yourself in the ditch. As Pastor Allen said, maybe you've come to church for months and years and you haven't felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe you need to get out of the ditch back onto the road it doesn't matter how you got in the ditch here's the deal nothing that we've done in the past will disqualify us from being part of god's blessings today Don't let Satan come in and say, oh, you've blown it this time. You've sinned one too many times. You've grown lukewarm one too many times. No, God can rekindle the passion of the Holy Spirit in your life. God can rekindle your joy. Oh, don't let Satan rob you of the joy of Jesus. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, redeemed comes from that word redemption, which means you've been set free. Literally means he has bought you back. See, that's the only qualification. It's to cry out to the Lord and say, I have been redeemed. I am so glad I can look back at God's faithfulness. And many, many times when I've cried out to God in my trouble, and each and every time, Now, it might not have come in the way that I had hoped. It might not have come at the time I had hoped. But I can look back as you can, and you can see God's faithfulness in your life. Lord, help us to point our feet on that straight and narrow. Help us not get out in the desert of sin, the desert of criticism, let us walk that straight and narrow path where the blessings of God abound. Point our feet. The second thing I want us to look at is when we point our feet, it means that we leave the old ways and we live on a new path. And the new path is one of love. God is love. Jesus is love. Jesus always has his hands open saying come unto me it's the church unfortunately that has folded their hands like this it's the church unfortunately that has closed the door and said you become like us and then we will allow you in Jesus always has open arms he loves every one of us and he wants us to walk in love now I I, I just want to make this statement because it's it's true, it needs to be said. God loves all seven billion people on this planet as much as he loves you and me. Now see, we tend to make these dividing lines, like, well, we're God's favorites. God loves us more than he loves them. Where do we get that? It's from our our own mind, our own pride. God so loved the world that whosoever of the seven billion. In fact, you know, the Bible says that one of the reasons that Jesus hasn't come back yet is because he loves people so much that he's delaying his second coming because the Bible says that he wants all to come to repentance He doesn't want anyone to perish. God loves people much more than we love people. We need to be baptized in a new spirit of love. We need to leave our old ways of thinking, that you jump through these hoops, that you follow these rules and regulations, and then we'll love you. We need to live on the path of love. One of the best examples for this is Paul. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. This is kind of a lengthy portion of Scripture, but I think it's good for us to bathe ourselves in the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. See, Paul's a guy who was really well-educated, and he really came from the upper echelon of society. There was a lot of things that he had going for him in the natural. Now we know that he also was an enemy of those who were following Christ he persecuted them he did all he could to hamper their message in fact he came to the point of just killing Christians and Paul knew that he had to leave that old lifestyle he, he couldn't control by power he couldn't control by education he couldn't control by position he had to be like his Savior Jesus And he just had to walk in love. So that's why I chose this example of how we need to leave our old ways and live on the path of love. 2 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 11. You've made me act like a fool. You ought to be writing commendations for me. But I'm not at all inferior to those super apostles, even though I am nothing at all. When I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I'm an apostle for I patiently did signs and wonders and miracles among you and the only thing I failed to do which I do in the other churches was to become a financial burden to you please forgive me for this wrong (laughs) Paul had to use a little satire there that's a little humor there now I'm coming to you for the third time and I will not be a burden to you I don't want what you have. I want you. Oh, if we could just grasp that, that would help us to stay on the path of love. It's not what people have or don't have. It's people we should be concerned about. It's relationships we should cherish. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. I will gladly spend myself and all that I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Some of you admit I was not a burden to you, but others still think I was sneaky and I took advantage of you by trickery. But how? Did any of the men that I sent to you take advantage of you? When I urged Titus to visit you and send our other brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No for we have the same spirit. We walk in each other's steps. See, they learned how to point their feet in the way of love, doing things the same way. Verse 19 says, perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants and with God as our witness. Everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. For I'm afraid that when I come, I won't, like what I find, and you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I'm going to find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Yes, I am afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence, and I'll be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. He's speaking to church people here. What old sins is he referring to? He just listed them quarreling, arguing, jealousy, selfishness, slander, gossip. Paul's saying, man, that is the old way of life. That's the sins that you should have been saved from. And then he continues and says, you've not repented of your impurity. And then he goes from internal impurity, the gossip, the slander, the backbiting, the arrogance, we're better than you are. And he points out outward impurity. Impurity. And he mentions sexual immorality and eagerness for lustful pleasure. Those are the things we like to pinpoint in other people's lives while ignoring the long list of the old sins that Paul is telling us we need to live leave in order to set our feet on the straight and narrow path. Friends, the Apostle Paul was determined to do the right thing. I mean, he wanted... To follow the right path even though he had been falsely accused even though whoever these super apostles were you know they tried to undermine him and as a result he had been misunderstood he'd been attacked he explained the thing why he didn't take money from them he explained that everything i do is for your benefit he wasn't interested in their money their possessions he was interested in their souls and just as Paul had done the right thing and stayed on the right course, pointed his feet in the right direction, he wanted the church and corner to do the same thing. But he was afraid that some of them were going off course with all of those things that he listed in verse 20. Friends, we need to take heed that we point our feet in the path of love, like our loving Savior, like our faithful God, like the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. Point our feet, turn away from those things that will lead to destruction. Yeah, that's a much broader path. It is a lot easier to hate than it is to love. It's tough to love, but the Holy Spirit can help us. The broad, the broad way is to be part of the problem. The narrow way is to be part of the solution. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. Our prayer, friends, needs to be, Lord, help us to seek always to do the right thing, the loving thing, whatever the consequences might be. Help us to act in love, act, as, act in concern for those that we're ministering to, those that we're trying to reach, not for our own personal gain. Man, this thing called church is not about us, It's about the campus in Ellensburg. It's about the people in Douglas County. It's about the residents of Malaga. This thing about church is not, well, we'll come, and we'll get fed, and we'll let the paid comforter comfort us. No, it's about coming together. It's about mobilizing. It's about gathering so we can scatter, so that we can go out into the world and we can do the work of the ministry. The third and final thing this morning, when it concerns pointing our feet, is we have to be careful not to rush off in our own direction. <laughs> All of us, I think, have been guilty of that. I know I have. You know, we think, oh, this is what we're going to do tomorrow. This is what we're going to do next year. This is the plan we have for our life, the plan we have for our family. This is the plan we have for our church. And then after we have our plans made, we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, here's our plans. Would you bless them? That's backwards. That, that, That isn't pointing our pointing our feet is that we go to God first. And we say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me? to live my life? What do you want my family to be engaged in next year? We come and we ask God, our Creator, our Savior, our Lord. We seek His plans first. I know there's safety in the the counsel of, of people. But that comes after you ask the Lord what He wants you to do. So often, we're either independent in our strategies or we'll just ask our friends, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? And pretty soon, we're people pleasers. We're doing exactly what other people want us to do. And the Bible's very clear. Man, don't rush off in your own direction. Ask God first. I love what Joyce Meyer says about this. Joyce Meyer says, when you've got a problem... Don't go to the phone, go to the throne. Isn't that good? So many of us, we have a problem when we hear about a problem. What do we do? Well, we call somebody so we can talk about the problem. No. Man, when we have a problem, when you hear about a problem, don't go to the phone, go to the throne. Isaiah chapter 30, the prophet criticizes God's people, (laughs) not the people of the world. Isaiah criticizes the people who are part of God's kingdom for the way that they made their plans. Isaiah 30, verses 1 and 2. What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. For without consulting me, you've gone down to Egypt for help. You put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You've tried to hide in his shade. Isaiah is chastising them because they failed to consult God first. And as a result, they had gone off in the wrong direction. They had gone to Egypt because it seemed like a good idea, but they forgot a very important part of being a Christ follower, (laughs) and that is to ask Christ what direction to go. (laughs) See, their trouble was they really didn't want to know God's plans. They had already determined in their mind what God's plans were. It's like, you know, don't confuse me with the facts. I've already got my mind made up. And we all do that. We all do that. Jesus came back and actually quoted Isaiah. So this is not just an Old Testament concept. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus said that these words were written not just for the people of Israel, but written for all of us. And this is what he says, Matthew 15, 7 to 9. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Because their hearts were not right with God, man, they, they go to great depths to actually hide their plans from God. In the message, it says, You pretend to have the inside track. You shut God out and work behind the scenes, plotting the future as if you knew everything. You treat the potter as a lump of clay. Does a book say to its author, he didn't write a word of me? Does a meal say to the woman who cooked it, she had nothing to do with this? And as a result, we find ourselves in Egypt because we haven't sought the Lord. I told you uh, last week or the week before that as the pastoral staff gathered and prayed, and as the Lord had really laid this on my heart, we came to the conclusion that this January, instead of just having a week of prayer, which we always do, we believe in prayer, but instead of just having a week of prayer, we were going to call, we were going to encourage with all that we have for our entire congregation to pray for 21 days, beginning on January 10th through January 31st, a call to prayer. Why do we do that? Because we want to know God's plans for our church for this coming year. Now, we know what our mission is. I remember years ago, our board and our staff spent a couple days in Chelan. And man, we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt Our mission is to love, mend, train, and send. And that has been guiding principles for us. To love, to mend, to train, and to send. But how do we do that? That's really what we need to know. What is our vision? What is our strategy? How are we going to mend in the years ahead? And man, there's all sorts of ideas. I've got ideas. The other pastors have ideas. The board has ideas. You have ideas. But instead of coming up with goals and strategies and then asking God to bless them, as we go into the year 2020, we're going to take 21 days and we're going to pray and say, God, we need to hear from you because we want to be on the straight path. We don't want to be out in the wilderness. We don't want to be in the desert. I want to conclude with One final verse, it's found in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. You know, there's lots of hope here because we've all found ourselves asking God to bless something that he probably really didn't originate. And sometimes with his grace, he just blesses us anyway. Um, But notice in verse 24 of chapter 29 of Isaiah, That there's hope for all of us if you've gotten off the track God will help you get back on track you see it doesn't matter God always has a way of working things around for our good God will accomplish his purposes in our life even if we wander even if we go off with some crazy idea and find ourselves in Egypt and say oh man I guess God really wasn't in this he's there to help us. All we have to do is go back and ask him. And in verse number 13 of verse 30, it says, our strength will come. Now, this is in the message, in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. Our strength will come in settling down in complete dependence on him. The New Living says, in quietness and confidence is your strength in quietness and confidence. See, God is looking for people to bless, and he wants to bless us. He wants to be gracious to us. What does it mean to be blessed? It means to be happy. It means to be fortunate. It means to be envied by others. And he will bless us with his favor, with his love, with his peace, with his joy, with his companionship. If we will simply seek him first, in quietness and confidence, we'll find strength. It's not through power. It's not through position. It's by humbling ourselves. See, God resists the proud. I have to remind myself of that often. If I think I know what we should do, that's prideful. And I need to go back to God and say, God, I don't want to be resisted by you. It's in humility that you really find the heart of God. It's in humility, it's in that quietness that we find our strength. We need to pray, Lord, I want to know your plans for my life. I want to know your plans for my family. I want to know your plans for my business. I want to know your plans for my career. I want to know your plans for my, my academic uh, journey. I want to know your plans for our church. I want to know your plans for our community, or your plans for our nation. Help me in repentance and rest to walk in the paths of quietness and confidence that we can trust the Lord. How do we point our feet? It's a step to success. We've got to guard our heart. We've got to watch our mouth. We've got to fix our eyes, but we also have to point our feet. How do we do that? You stay on the path. You don't wander in the desert. You stay on this wonderful road. The second thing is you live on the path of love. Because that's the path Jesus is on. Jesus has chosen the path of love to walk on. If you're following Jesus, that's the path you'll be on. And then finally, we need to be proactive. We need to ask God's plans first before we create goals and strategies and have dreams and visions. Let's ask God what his plans are. And friends, then our feet will be pointed in the right direction and we will experience the abundant blessings of God Almighty. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these powerful words out of Proverbs. They've guided us this entire year. You've used these messages. You've used these bookmarks. As people have talked about this around dinner tables, at restaurants, in small group Bible studies, you've helped us to know the importance of our heart, of our words, of our eyes. And now, Lord, you're showing us the importance that we point our feet in the right direction. I pray that each of us will choose the narrow way even though that's tough, even that means that it's a loving way, even it means that we have to consult you before we make our plans, I pray that each of us, as we end this year and move into a new year, will point our feet on that narrow path that leads into your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.